You're listening to your Dental Top 5 podcast with Amanda Hill, informing you on the top trends in dentistry every Thursday. Brought to you by the creators of A Tale of Two Hygienists podcast. And now, here's your host, Amanda Hill. Hello, 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 and welcome to this week's episode of Your Dental Top 5, where we take trending topics in dentistry and break them down into five usable highlights that you can take back to your op, your life, or just look smarter at your next dinner party. I'm your host, Amanda Hill. So we are at the first of the month again. So our new thing is at the first of the month, I get to give you guys my top five. So the top five things that I'm into this month. So some are clinical and some are just kind of about my life. But the number one I was in my top five before, but I'm still super into it, is this Smiler Saver case for aligners and retainers that just hooks to your phone. And it just makes so much sense. I think anybody that's an aligner should have this case on their phone because you can just put your aligners in it and then they don't get dirty and gross while you put them on the table. Because, oh my gosh, I think we're going to get to go to restaurants soon. So there'll be time. We'll get out of our house. Number two is the Monarch Clean Stream System Cleaner for your evacuation lines. So I'm in the middle of writing a course on suction lines. I know you're excited. You can't wait. But anyway, so... I'm doing a course on suction lines and I'm starting to uh, look more into like how gross our suction lines get. So we started using the clean stream system in our office and within a few days we had to change the traps because they were that gross. So this stuff actually works. So check it out. Number three thing that I'm super into right now is my Apple Watch because we're recording this in March. It won't air until May, but Uh, I just finished an entire year of completing all three circles every day for an entire year. So I'm super into that. I try every day to get on my circles, be active. Number four is the book I'm reading, Conversational Intelligence by Judith Glazer. It's so good. You got to look it up, Conversational Intelligence. And number five, I'm super into the sun right now because it's starting to get warm and I'm trying to go outside every single day for at least 30 minutes. So even if it's like on the lunch break and run outside and get some sun. I just feel better. So try to get some sun. All right. So now into our top five. So today's top five is a really cool one. And I think it's one that we're all starting to get into and starting to ask more questions about, but we don't totally understand. And I have an expert. So, or at least I'm calling her an expert. I don't think she'll accept expert yet, but she'll get there. So we're going to go over the top five influences for interprofessional collaborative practice. And I've brought on Joy McCarthy, RDH, and as of yesterday, M-E-D. Way to go, Joy McCarthy. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us and congratulations on your master's degree. Thank you so much. It's been quite the journey getting here and I made it, I think. <laughs> I am super excited for you. Okay, so you need to tell me a little bit about your story. And I know our listeners need to hear this too, because it's a really good one. So tell us a little bit about you. Yes, absolutely. Uh, So I graduated the University of New England from dental hygiene school in 2016. And of course, as we know, as being hygienist, plenty of back pain, shoulder pain, all the above. Uh, Turns out two years into private practice, I started feeling a lot of back pain. So I was like, oh, no, I decided to go to uh, grad school. I was still young and uh because I assumed that this pain wouldn't happen until 10 or 15 years into. And (laughs) so it came a little sooner. Um, And grad school seemed like a great option. As I was nearing the end, I had to find out uh, a topic to pick out for my thesis paper. My professor guiding me into picking a topic was telling me to just 
find a problem in my field. So this uh, that whole week, I had plenty of patients that either never knew about a pre-med or uh, didn't, couldn't remember of their the name of their orthopedic surgeon. Uh, I had to dismiss them from their appointments. They were upset. and <laughs> or, That's the worst. Oh, I hate doing that. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> and you have to explain to people that, yes, their oral health is related to their overall health. And they what? look at you <laughs> with a few heads or you ask them about their medical history and they say, oh, no, I'm just getting my teeth cleaned. You know, what does that have to do with my teeth? So, boom, I found out interdisciplinary collaboration was a great topic because in 2013, the Commission of Dental Accreditation, I know, started writing standards for interdisciplinary practice. So when I graduated in 2016, I had plenty of competencies. It was drilled into my head throughout my hygiene school career about how important it is, how your body is an interconnected web of systems. So the healthcare providers to that body should also be. Uh, And so I started investigating this topic of why, how come it's drilled into our brains in school, but then you go into private practice and poof, it's gone. So it's gone, man. They're social distancing. (laughs) They are. They must be. (laughs) So it's been fun. I found out a lot, a lot of information, a lot of different influences and trends. And my eyes were open to this topic that I thought I knew so much about, but it's, yeah. So I, and I, interviewed a bunch of different healthcare providers and even outside of dentistry. It's, um, it's, uh, really interesting. <laughs> it really is. And, and I think I'm so glad to hear that this is something that they're teaching in school. They certainly didn't teach it back when I was in hygiene school in the nineties, mm-hmm. but so we're at least teaching it in school, but then you're right. You get out into the real world and nobody's talking about it again. It's over. Like that was it. It was a cool idea in hygiene school. Uh, but once you get into the real world, you're not talking to the dentist, the doctor next door or the surgeon down the street. Exactly. So and that's uh, where I find found out that it's actually geographic location is huge for uh, for interdisciplinary practice, which is one of my top five. OK, <laughs> the first well, we better one. get into that. OK, so we let's sh- launch into your top five, your top five influences for interprofessional collaboration. Yeah, so I I started my thesis research looking for relationships between one's interprofessional education and whether they're translating it into their private practice. If I was the only one with this problem or if other people were experiencing this as well. Uh, And it turns out that there was a mixed bag of results. (laughs) Sometimes people that had experience with interdisciplinary education didn't actually translate into practice, vice versa. Some people with no ed- no education had no practice or plenty of education, you know. So I found out with this no relationship that what the actual factor that influenced was the setting of practice. It doesn't matter how much you value interdisciplinary education or collaboration. It's the em- environment around you. If you don't have the setting of practice that supports the coll- collaboration then, you know, you can only go so far. So it turns out that hospitals had the highest prevalence of interdisciplinary collaboration, whereas private practice settings typically had the least. 
which totally makes sense. When people are under the same roof in the same physical location, they're only a page away from forming an interdisciplinary healthcare team. Uh, whereas in private practice, I've, you know, the provider can either give a referral slip to a patient or they can play a big game of phone tag with another provider. Um, it's a uh, very and who has time for that? Seriously, yeah, seriously. I mean, like you're talking oh my about, gosh. then we're just missing patients, and nobody likes empty chair time. Nobody does, because yeah, and you know, time is money in a private practice as well. So you know, and um, and also you know, an interdisciplinary healthcare team. The more you work together in the same physical space, the is the more you trust each other, the more you learn from each other. It's uh, it's the, essentially the same as a sports team. And I'm from Boston, so I mean, I have to give this analogy. Look at the Patriots this year. <laughs> it's uh, you take Tom Brady out of the mix, and they don't make they don't uh, make a championship in years. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, it but it blows my mind that in this day and age, especially after a full year of social distancing and leveraging test uh, technology to you know not work in the same physical space that um that this is still a problem you know P- so many providers have been using telehealth and stuff to talk to patients why can't we use telehealth to talk to each other it's Absolutely. uh yeah so but you know in an ideal world and i hopefully this can be you know a catalyst in this movement that from now on it hopefully this may might get better so it's uh sure. <laughs> yeah and it just technology can also provide an easy platform to communicate with each other so which yeah. uh <laughs> yeah which brings me to my next one is uh perfect communication <laughs> yeah um so too often in private practice i find we put our sole trust into the patient um it's they know they know right they totally they do if yeah they exactly or not. <laughs> yeah and you know you ask them about their medical history that you you're t- solely trusting that they're either telling you the truth or that they understand that the idea that the surgery that they had or their child's tree nut allergy that they just got diagnosed with is something that's important to tell us you know um and uh i think Rather than, and when communication between a dentist and a physician typically happens, it's when, you know, there needs to be further clarification about a problem, whereas we don't necessarily communicate with each other on a regular basis for every patient. But again, back to time. Who has time for that? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Who yeah. has time for that? Yes. Yeah. It's so yeah. hard. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, in an ideal world, we can, we, again, we can use technology to email each other or, um, you know, and something, but this also, again, brings us into our next one time. <laughs> Cause <laughs> number three, time is so valuable in healthcare, but yet so limited. Um, this communication on a routine basis about every patient is so important. So that we're not just trusting the patient's word, we're actually having direct confidence through talking to the professional themselves. Um, and 
I think, again, we can use technology to help make that easier, make it more efficient, make um, so that we're not playing a f- game of phone tag. We're not wasting time. We're not dismissing patients. Um, and one thought I had was if, uh, you know, any software en- engineers out there, if Dentrix could maybe merge with uh, the, I think Epic it is, or any other software that medical professionals use, if they could form a system where you could just log into the patient's chart, you could see their medical chart, you could see their medications, you know, and, and that way that it's would be written. a dream. Yeah. You do t- chart review and that's just what you're reviewing. Like, and it's actually a legit updated medical history as opposed to that one that you've been initialing for probably 10 years. You're like, yeah, yeah. no changes, no changes, yeah. no changes. Exactly. That's what we do. Or the, uh, the amount of people that come in with a list of medications and or <laughs> they say, oh, yeah, it's a cholesterol medication. I forget the name of it. <laughs> right. So, uh, you know, that yeah, would we're be lucky a much- if they know what it's for. Really? Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's a blue pill. It's a blue one. I don't know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that way we'd have a much more accurate, efficient way to communicate with each other and know what's going on with the patient's health rather than fully just trusting the patient. So that would be great. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, what's Uh, number four is money. Uh, So (laughs) money is huge for the, both the individual patient level and for the providers themselves. So for the individual patient insurance coverage, that is huge. So (laughs) patients try to, avoid as many out-of-pocket fees as possible, which I get it. Insurance, whether they they get it out of their paycheck or they have to pay out-of-pocket every month for that. I'm, you know, I'm human too. I, <laughs> I don't like bills either. <laughs> um, but, you know, if they don't have the insurance coverage, typically they'll deny treatment or, um, and which, and the separation between medical and dental coverage drives a huge wedge into interdisciplinary collaboration. You know, for example, uh, my boss, who's the general dentist, um, has been providing patient solutions to uh, numerous, you know, uncurable conditions such as sleep apnea or TMJ problems, you know, by using a combination of myofunctional therapy with airway ortho. Um, And it's funny because healthcare insurance won't pay for it. Um, dental insurance might pay for it if they have orthodontic coverage, because at the end of this treatment, he uses Invisalign to straighten up the teeth. So uh, it's but funny, But in the though. end, we know that that affects their overall health 100%. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and uh, But yet healthcare insurance will pay for uh, their CPAP machine for the rest of their life, but they won't pay for it to be solved completely with this one treatment. Um, so again, I think uh, that insurance coverage definitely drives a huge wedge. And then at the provider level, um, time is money. And unfortunately, providers can't get paid for collaboration in general, you know, and the, uh, private practice is essentially a small business, but I, you know, I get it because there's that line you pr- healthcare providers need to make ends meet, their overhead's constantly increasing. Um, it's a we live in a capitalist society, so it, um, you know, but 
time is money, but also I say that knowledge is free. So once that knowledge is in one's head, um, in order to attain it, it doesn't take too much time to grab uh, some knowledge from your brain and spit it out. And <laughs> um, yeah. which brings and, me and to me, I, I think to me, it seems like it, when a patient tells their neighbor, oh, my gosh, yeah, no, my doctor, my dentist talks to my doctor and they are doing these things. I, I, I think that's a huge like new patient driver that's worth all the money in the universe. But, oh, I know that, you know, yeah. I could talk till I'm blue in my face about that one. Sorry, I interrupted oh, you. What's number five? Go to number five. <laughs> um, <laughs> a generalized lack of awareness. So um, I for most of my career until recently, I've never had a continuing education course with uh, other disciplines. Mostly it was all dental professionals, either learning about a new dental topic or a new product or Oral-B's new electric toothbrush, which is great. I love that toothbrush. Uh, but I, <laughs> but I had this dream of this topic uh, of one topic being taught to multiple different professionals and these professionals teaching each other about that topic. Um, so in my studies, I discovered AOSH, American Academy of Oral Systemic Health, and they offer so many great interdisciplinary continuing education courses. If So if we, we can get more awareness about what each other do, how it's important, how everything's related. Cause I'll be honest, you know, I'm not, I'm not a cardiologist. I don't know absolutely everything of how a stent gets placed in the heart or, you know, <laughs> what exactly happens during every heart procedure. Um, there's been times where a patient tells me a medication that I have to Google quick. <laughs> for sure. Thank God yeah. for Google. Thank goodness. So, uh, just more. More continuing education can provide provi providers with more just continued support of knowing more of who to refer to, uh, who to contact, what to do. Um, so I think that's the big thing that everybody needs to remember is that nobody's asking you to be an expert on all the things. What Absolutely. what we're trying to say with interdisciplinary care, interprofessional collaboration is that that you know who to reach out to for the questions that you don't know the answers to. Exactly. Yeah. So I think between a mix of technology, utilizing technology, continuing education, increasing everyone's awareness, we, you know, we can slowly make steps in this journey of increasing the healthcare industry as a whole. So <laughs> it's going to be a journey, but... <laughs> We can do it. We can we journey can do on. It. Yeah, we, we can, can do it. <laughs> Baby steps. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, let's review your top five. So the top five influences for interprofessional collaboration are one, the setting or the geographic location. Number two, communication. We actually have to talk to each other. Number three, time. Number four, money. And number five, awareness or, or lack of awareness. I love this idea of a big roundtable discussion on a topic with all the professions. That would be so fun. I would totally tone in for that CE. Well, Joy, yeah. thank you so much for coming on today. And thank you for having me. <laughs> so if people want to reach out to you, they have more questions. They want to know all about your thesis that you just turned in yesterday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How uh, can they reach you? Uh, my email is McCarthy.Joy11, M-C-C-A-R-T-H-Y dot Joy 
J-O-Y-11 at gmail.com. Or you can find me on LinkedIn. There you go. Always the LinkedIn. I think that's how I found you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, everyone, we all know that only four out of five dentists could agree. So if you have something to add to this top five, or you have an idea for a whole nother top five, email me at amandahillrdh at gmail.com. And we'll be sure to include your dental top five. Make it a great day, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of your dental top five. Be sure to join us next Thursday to hear more from Amanda. 